Hello and welcome to the podcast series Raw Talents with me Fiona Abrahams where I'm deep diving behind the scenes into the careers, aspirations and inspiration of the many skilled and talented individuals who enable the fashion and creative industries to feed our passion for clothing and product. Throughout this podcast series I will be reaching out to the global community, exploring the industry through their eyes, asking people to share insights about the work they do, how they got started, their most compelling experiences, the trials and tribulations they have faced and overcome, who they have met along the way, the lasting friendships formed, the part culture plays in the work they do, and their thoughts on their futures and the future of the industry as we navigate the coronavirus pandemic. Welcome to Series 3, Episode 8 of Raw Talent, where timing for my chat with Basic Rights has changed, and instead we are hanging in London and experiencing a French twist with footwear designer Lea Zana, who is also the founder of emerging sustainable homeware brand Vassel. Founded during lockdown as a homage to all the favourite restaurants and bistros Lea is missing, Lea confesses that the food she cooks is terrible and she had to find a way to make it tasty and yummy. So she designed a range of kitchen and decoration essentials inspired by Spanish antique ceramics with a colourful twist. All the items are interchangeable so you can create your own tablescape. And by the way, in case you're wondering what Vassel means, it's the French word for crockery. Lara, it's lovely to see you. How are you today? Hi, Fiona. I'm really good. Lovely to see you too. Thank you. And it's thank you so much for joining me on a sunny Thursday afternoon. It's so nice to see the sun after all the grey days we've had. Oh, finally, it's freezing though. It's really, really cold today. It's really, really cold. That's the only problem. I know. Yeah. like freezing to death, but hey. <laughs> so, um, our paths first crossed last year when we were working on a footwear designer role for a startup brand. Yep. And um, lots has happened since then. Let's start by sharing um, where you grew up and what inspired you to work in the fashion and creative industries. So I grew up in France. I was born in France uh, in a little town called Saint. So it's uh, on the southwest uh, coast near the ocean. It's near Bordeaux. And uh, it's really small and it's, it's really lovely, but it's quite boring. <laughs> um, so in my childhood was um, actually quite exciting because my parents are hippies and I traveled a lot with them, like literally everywhere until I was six years old. So we even lived in Sri Lanka for a little while in Mexico. And then we came back to France where I lived until my 26 years old. Um, so really, I started to love fashion when I was around nine years old. I remember like, scrolling to the Catalogue La Redoute. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember those are my first um, fashion memories. And I was just like flabbergasted by all the shapes and the colors. I just loved it. Then... My dad is also a fabric seller, so I've always been surrounded by beautiful fabrics. Um, I remember when I was a kid, he had lots of um, that stuff from Liberty. So that was always like the surrounding I had was always like quite 
creative and I had that sense of passion as well because lots of customers um, from my dad were, were sewers and this is where I get it from. Yeah. So, so we really, when I was 17 and I get my baccalaureate, I moved to Paris to, to study fashion. And this is when the journey began, really. Um, yeah. Obviously, yeah. Because you studied, where did you study? Tell us. So I studied at Atelier L'Hôtelier, which is a really small school because it's a haute couture school. Ah. So nothing to do with footwear. And um, I studied there for three years and I studied fine arts as well. And um, the head teacher was actually a really good friend with Mondrian. So really, it was strange because it was at the beginning of the, the notice. It was in 2002. Um, I was learning fashion and it was like that Tom Ford era where everything was really like she came quite out there and at school I was teached fashion by that woman that was really really not only old school but from another time um, <laughs> so it was it was really I strange experience though I went to I went to I studied at Epsom and the um the lecturers were like from another era <laughs> yes so, so when I was studying, I was just like, this is so strange. Everything I learned, like, obviously, she was obsessed with colors. Uh-huh. And I think this is, like, where I have, I have that now, where it comes from. And we were spending days and days on studying colors and how they react together, etc. And all I wanted to do was to do, like, crazy clothes, like Tumfall. So... <laughs> It was really frustrating to be doing three years to be so square in the teaching, but I guess I've learned the perfect basis to being able to, like, I worked in, like, luxury, I worked in high street, now I'm doing my own thing in homeware, so really I had the tools to work on everything. Thanks yeah, to that. gave you a fantastic foundation, didn't it? Yes. And your first yeah. job, you land your first job that you landed out of um, university was Claude Montana, which is yes. amazing. How did that yeah. come about? So basically, my head teacher knew him, okay. and um, this is how I get my internship. I stayed there for a year. It was a really small team. We were actually only three of us plus Claude on the days that he was coming, because he was not coming every day. Um, (laughs) And it was really, it was still my best experience so far. It was fantastic because it was true luxury Parisian, still still really stuck in the 80s. So all that drama and... and, um, and also that excitement and a little bit of danger as well because... Claude spent most of his time clubbing and all the extras. So when he was coming to the office, you could, this, he was still sharing that vibe. And at that time I was 21 and I was just, it it was such a strange world. Um, But he was a really lovely man. I mean, he is a really lovely man. Um, I've learned a lot with him, more with the team. Um, because my basically the artistic director, um, Mehdi at the time, who was one of um, Alexander McQueen's best friend when he was at Givenchy. Um, this is how like I learned so much from that man. 
and um, and it was such an amazing amazing experience. I've been so lucky to to be able to do that. Absolutely, that's why I thought I'd mention it because it's an it's it's unique and yeah, he's such an icon. So incredible, it is. And then your footwear began. Your footwear career began at the fabulous Barbara Bowie, who I love. Yeah. And ultimately ended up evolving um, through your work at Zara, Topshop and ASOS. What led you into fast fashion and footwear? And what are the highlights from your experience during this time? The kitten's beautiful, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) We're going to be having like a cat-themed session here. (laughs) I'm sure mine will arrive any moment. (laughs) We love a cameo. Um, so I, I started footwear by chance and mistake, really, because, like I said, I studied haute couture, so I know everything about feathers, embroidery. And um, my first real job after Claude Montana was as a studio assistant at Barbara B. So really, I was assisting all the designers. Um, I started, like, a week before the show. In September, um, working until 3, 4 a.m. in the morning. And just like two days after the show, the owner of Barbara Bui, who was also her ex-husband and the footwear designer, came to me and he was like, you, do you know how to draw uh, shoes? <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> I had no idea. Oh, my goodness. He was like, okay, so in two days, we're going to Linea Pede in Bologna. And I was 20 when I was like, yes. <laughs> I, came, I came back home and I was like, what the hell did I say? Why did I do that? <laughs> so I remember I spent my night sketching shoes and I gave him my sketches thereafter. My sketches were terrible. And he was like, okay, anyway, I don't need you to draw. You just need to come with me to Lina Pele. <laughs> and I went with him. Um, it was really hard. I've been his assistant for a year, and this is how I learned about shoes. Um, it was the hardest experience ever, um, but I learned everything. I, I started to go to the factories in Elche when I was 21, and I was going every month. So this is how I jumped into footwear. Wow. And, and then really I went to, in, to the high street because... I wanted to go to work for Zara in Spain because my mom, at the time, there was a lot going on in the family and my mom had to move to Spain. So I was thinking, okay, I'm going to go there. And I got the job and this is why I went to Zara. And this is how the high street started. Hey, makes sense. Yeah. I understand that. And then you kind of progressed from there to Topshop and ASOS. And then in last December... Uh, not last December, the December before 2019, your ASOS role was made redundant. Yes. What, what were your plans when you were made redundant? Did that come as a surprise, the redundancy? Or were they the, just making redundancies? I mean, they were doing redundancies yeah. for half a year. We know the numbers were not good. Um, we always thought design is safe. Oh. Not always. Not always. So... I mean, like m- many of my friends would say, um, it was a blessing in disguise. Yes. So, but it didn't feel like it at the time. Yes. Mm. And so, basically, after I was made redundant in December, I thought, I'm going to take three months off. I really wanted to go traveling. Um, and then I found a job. 
So in January, I went to travel to travel to Mexico, Thailand, uh, India. I went to see my dad who lives in India. And when I was there, I managed to get a job um, at Topshop to start in end of March. So everything was going to plan. Three months of holidays and going back to London and have a job. And obviously, uh, I think it was on the 23rd of March or something, um, Topshop called me to cancel my recruitment because of COVID. Yeah. So that was like a real, like something that nobody expected, obviously. And I think I'm not the only one in that situation. I know it happened to a lot of people. A lot of people. So really at the beginning of COVID, I thought I would bounce back and find a job with a supplier or something like this. But footwear was one of the department the most affected, obviously, mm. because of lockdown, people don't need shoes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so really it was just going down, down, down. Um, and it's in May that I came up with the idea of Vessel, really. Okay. So it was born during lock, during the first lockdown. Yes. Um, pretty much in response to all our favourite restaurants and bistros being closed. Yes. What was the inspiration behind the brand and why homeware? So basically, because I've done fashion for 15 years, yeah. I was really looking for something new. Yeah. And I could see also coming from ASOS, coming from other companies, that the future would not be so much in fashion as it used to be, like there was a real shift. And with lockdown, you could tell that the shift was going towards homeware. Yeah. So I was thinking, I've been in love with ceramics since a really young age. Ceramics and glasses and everything that comes from like free markets. I thought I could do that. It's a really easy product because it's just one material. It's way much easier than shoes. Um, I speak Spanish and I know that many ceramics are made in Spain. So I can find a factory, call them and start from there. So this is how it starts. And really the inspiration was from all the ceramics that I own at home that comes from Italy, from Spain, from France, from India. And it's a big, big mix, a big mashup of all of my ceramics together, really. Amazing. All of your pieces are handmade and hand-painted in Andalusia, yes. south of Spain, by a family of artisans using traditional techniques of craftsmanship, meaning they have a small environmental footprint. What led you to Andalusia? How did you find the people, the right people to produce for you? So basically, at the beginning, I started actually with Mallorca. Okay. Because, yeah, because um, so my partner is from Barcelona and his family lives in Mallorca. And I was thinking it's easier to find a place where I know that we would go and not going too much in the unknown. Like I know Mallorca pretty well. So I found some factories and uh, I remember it was on the 4th of July when the borders opened. We took the first flight and we went to Mallorca, spent like a month in Mallorca to develop the collection. And this is how it really started. And this is in September when I get my first production without me being able to go back and check the prod because of quarantine, that it was a little bit of a drama. The production was not what I expected. 
So I had to resource everything from here in London, uh, doing research on the internet, finding people, finally finding the phone number of a guy that knew a guy that knew somebody else. And then I finally find the family who's making my pieces now. But it took uh, like at least a month of phone calls to many people in Spain that I've never met. I don't even know the name before I get the <laughs> I get the contact. Wow, that's a that's incredible. Because I've been lucky. Had, I guess you had quite specific criteria in yeah. what you imagine how you wanted the finish to be, what you wanted yes. the glazing to look like, how you how you wanted the colours. So it's yes. been able to quantify all of that through yes. a conversation and maybe looking at pictures online. Yes, because also the thing is that obviously my, my product is really special because I use traditional techniques. So there's no, like like I said, the paints that we use is uh, lead-free. Uh, the pigments are natural. Also, all the PEPCs, they're sun-dried, so we don't use any dryer or heater. And yeah. no, there's not many people who work like that anymore. Actually, in, in the region where I, I get them made, uh, there's only like six families who are making that. Wow. So it was really hard to find somebody also to, who would like to do something different, something because my designs are not traditional. And many people were like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I can imagine because they get really stuck in what they do. Yes. And they just, yes. Yeah, they don't see the bigger picture. That's amazing that you found this family. Yes. Have they enjoyed and, the experience of working? Oh, yes. I bet they're loving it. They're loving it. Yeah. And Anna, the, the painter, she's amazing. She's the wife, and Javi is the one who makes them, who makes the pieces, the husband. And they're amazing. They're so nice. And I'm I'm just so happy to work with them. You know, like I spend hours on Zoom with them and we have fun and we chat. It's a great relationship. I'm really, really happy. Oh, I can't wait to meet them in real life. <laughs> absolutely. If we ever get out of lockdown, it'll be amazing. Yes. <laughs> I just love the fact that they are um, you know, that they're produced in small quantities. Um and when the kilns the, the kiln is full, full, the kiln is full, um, and then all the pieces are dried in the sun. I just feel like that adds a really magical quality, don't you think? Yes, it is, and it's, 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 it's really magical, and it's also like how things should be done in yeah. a way, because also there's never any waste. No, like I said, um, so they put everything when the kiln, the kiln is full, hundred percent. Yeah, they always make extra pieces in in the case that some breaks or and those pieces they use it for another order for example that my have yeah. there's there's nothing nothing like there's no waste that's amazing, amazing. or even like pieces that they, they didn't come out really well they can reuse them to make another color trial yeah so really the enver- environmental footprint it's really low. Tiny, yeah, which is exactly how things should be done. Yes. It's so lovely. It's brilliant. And yes. at the same time, you're supporting local craftsmanship, yes. which is so satisfying. Oh, it is. Made in Europe. Made in Spain. Yeah. It's lovely. <laughs> it's so lovely. And we want these traditional techniques to continue. Yes. And we want, you know, we want the people that do, that produce traditional ceramics and other products to also embrace 
modernity and new mm. designs as well and not just do one thing because exactly there's so much more it should evolve you know yes everything should continue to evolve so yeah that's what makes it exciting that's brilliant yes yes it's a win-win for them and for me really absolutely and the brand launched on instagram last mm-hmm. september and um balancing finances and generating sales is uncharted territory at the beginning of a new brand how Mm -hmm. have you managed to gain traction so basically like with instagram this is funny because i've never been an instagram person myself okay but because i come from asos instagram was a huge part of our daily job Yes. That could be research, influencers, getting the customer, etc. And I learned, I mean, not how Instagram works, but a little bit the basis. So I apply them to my business and I'm lucky because it started to kick in. So really started like that. In terms of finance, um, the good thing with ceramics at the beginning is that I didn't have to invest that much because the I just had the cost price and then the shipping pre-Brexit was pretty low. And that's it. I didn't need much more than that. Fantastic. It's after that, like around like October, November, that I, I needed a website, I needed an accountant. And all that was when it started to be more in the red. <laughs> I can imagine. And how did that turn around? Really well. So basically, beginning of December, I've done a a South London Makers Market, which is a market that has been set up by two twins, Daisy and Olivia, in 2020. And uh, one is actually ex-ASOS as well. And they support small makers around the UK. Now the market is virtual, and um, and I had my seat for the market on the fifth of December, and on that day my sales smashed them, smashed it. Wow! And it's really like the turnaround when I started to be better in my finances and being able to reproduce more and think about new projects amazing yes you were able to like recoup the money and then think yeah about what you're going to be doing in the next with the next collection yes that's yeah so good that's so brilliant what a great discovery yes I mean they're amazing those two girls <laughs> oh that's what you need amazing yeah in your corner because that's what makes the difference people that believe in you and yes love what you're doing definitely and yeah. I, I feel like in homeware the sense of community on Instagram is really really strong yes and it's not like fashion at all. Like everybody helps each other. Like I've been lucky; I haven't met any like nasty people, and it's just like a lovely, lovely world. Amazing! That's how the world should be. Lovely. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. You did a shoot with Rixo, and you've been featured in the Sunday Times Style Magazine and the Sunday Telegraph, yes. which you give some sound advice to all entrepreneurs who are um, thinking of getting started. Um, what can you tell us about the advice that you gave? So basically what I did for me, and I'm happy I did it that way, is that I first I didn't invest a lot of money. And I 
took it day by day. And I thought, okay, I'm doing pretty ceramics. Worst case, like if, it, I mean, best case, if it sells, then great. If it doesn't sell, it doesn't matter because I will have pretty plates for me. Yeah. So I tried not to put too much pressure on myself. And this is how it went like naturally, organically. And day by day by day, like day by, like I was doing something else. Like one day I was doing a little bit of Instagram and then one day I, went do, I was doing pictures and one day I was looking at my website and it started to grow all together and create a whole that if I had think, if I had been thinking of the end first, I wouldn't have made it. So do it day by day and then it will add up together. I like that. That's really good. I think that's really good advice. And may keep it small and, and keep it manageable. Yes. Yes. Ah, very, very good. Very good. And you also said do it for yourself, which I thought was really great. Yes, because at the end of the and I think um I think Vessel is working because I've done something for myself. So really I've been true to what I like. Um I haven't been trying to reinvent the wheel and uh-huh. and do something that has nothing to do with me. Yes. And, and and I think this is the key to success. Like you have to follow what you really like. Yeah. And then the story will create itself. Yeah. I think that's brilliant advice. What are your most popular products so far? So it is that one I have it here, Oily Baby. Oh. So nice. it's, what's it called? Uh, oily baby. Oily baby. Love so it's normally an oil dispenser, but I use it as a candle holder. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and I think that this one, like really, when I designed it, I was I was thinking this is not going to be the bestseller because it's red, it's in your face, and um, and it's an olive oil dispenser. But it turns out to be the biggest sell. And I think because it's so literal and people like it because also like I feel it's something that you can find in your nan's house. You know, it's quite comforting, that article. Yes. And and I found out after with the feedback from my customers that they love that about this item. That it's really homey. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's really cheerful as well. I love yes. red. We yeah. don't really have much red floating around in our homes. No. So it's no, a highlight no. colour that you'll see on a book cover mm-hmm. or a magazine cover occasionally. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really fun. How interesting. Okay. Yeah. What do you think has been your greatest achievement so far? So there's one really big, but I'm not allowed to tell yet. Oh, <laughs> no. Can you give us a um, hint? So I'm going to be in a great department store in oh. London. Excellent. Yes, I'm not allowed to say which one. The products will come live re- really soon because obviously the stores are, are closed for now. Yes. And this has been a dream since I was a kid um, because I've been surrounded by their, like their, their story all my life. No, so it's like the biggest thing that ever ever happened in my life, I think. Oh, so we need to stalk your Instagram to wait yes. to launch, basically. Okay. Yes. That's, the, that's really exciting. 
Wow. It is. Well, hopefully when the, I mean, you're going to sell out because it's beautiful. And I hope so. It's so unique. So yes. I think people are going to love it and I can guess where you're going to be. So yeah, amazing. How exciting. Yes. <laughs> what would you say has been the biggest challenge, but the greatest learning opportunity so far? Biggest challenge is Brexit. <laughs> yeah. Tell me how that's been affecting you. So everything I import is coming from Spain. So uh, obviously we have a deal. There's no duty. That's what they say. But then you have to pay um, custom compliance fees. Oh. And um, those are fees when actually your maker exports and when yourself you import. So just that is a lot of money for every shipment. So it means that, for example, before I could ship like 20 units. Now I can't because I have to ship a lot so that cost could be absorbed. Yeah. And then the way to ship as well, like for example, before you could ship with DHL, but because you need to do all that paperwork, it's not working with DHL anymore. So you have to open open accounts with HMRC, etc. It's really lots and lots of admin. Um, I'm still in transition phase. I hope it will settle soon. The biggest shame is obviously is that I hope it will have a negative impact on my business in the midterm um, because the fees, the extra fees are insane. And I don't want to retail my products more expensive. No. So really, it's, no. it's just a big shame. Yeah, they need to, it needs adjusting, doesn't it? And I've heard a lot of this from different people across different mm. levels that it, it does need to be addressed because yeah. they're active and things that um, aren't working, particularly for small businesses. Mm. So let's hope that the government are going to listen and be able to make a, yeah, I know, hopefully there'll be some sort of adjustment. So what can we look forward to from Vassal Boutique in 2021? Apart from the department store launch. Yes, apart from that. So I am working on a new collection, the spring-summer collection. Um, So I had lots of sketches ready, inspiration. Everything has been put into work already with my maker in Spain. So I am waiting patiently for the first samples and I'm hoping to launch maybe around Easter. I think like I'm being I'm being optimistic <laughs> with, the, with the time. I hope around Easter. So this is like the biggest thing because obviously like bringing more like new collection and still keeping like the momentum and and also like hoping that generally like the lockdown will be lifted and people will be happier. And the mood in general will be happier and people will shop even more. Mm. This Absolutely. Absolutely. I really, I really hope that. Mm. And um, and there are a few collabs as well coming. Um, and what else? I, I try not to think too much because otherwise I would freak out. <laughs> oh. oh, it sounds like you've got some good irons in the fire. Yes. <laughs> exciting it's really exciting what a beautiful journey yes like I'm so happy every day I wake up and I'm I'm just so happy to go back to it oh 
that makes so this a feeling, difference, doesn't it? Instead of yes. getting up and dreading having to go into work, dealing with really difficult personalities yes. and people that, yeah, just have kind of just got swallowed up by process and... Oh. Um, by red tape in yeah that's right absolutely yeah so which which often happens particularly within the fast fashion area of the market and at the designer side as well where you've just got too much time pressure and you know suddenly everyone's on this mad treadmill running at 190 miles an hour and you suddenly think why it's just clothes yes Yes. (laughs) and losing and losing creativity as well yeah yeah completely Completely. Because they are obsessed with sales. Yeah. So you do things, but they don't really have a meaning in the, at the, in the end. Yes. So why would the customer be engaged as well? It's so true. And I think because of that, we're seeing a huge rise in yeah. independent brands where people just don't want to be involved in that world anymore. Yeah. And they want to create something authentic and they see an opportunity to do so. Yeah, and so it's definitely. I think this whole kind of decade will be defined by the rise of the independent brands, which definitely. is so much more exciting. Yeah. yeah, and if there's lots of people doing independent things and interesting, innovative things, it gives so it offers so much more to the to the market to the consumer. Yes. There's so much more choice because I think retail, the high street, has become so bogged down by. Um, uh these big retailers that were just personalityless and it's all just yeah. generic whether it's online or whether it's physical so yeah we want to see I'm so sorry the cat's landed on the table and he's so excited at the pigeons that are flying outside uh, I know that she's doing the same with the pigeons <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like don't touch them <laughs> We've both been inundated with cats. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah it's um, it's really interesting. It's definitely gonna. We're, we're going through a huge change at the moment, and I think people will always want to buy beautiful things, but they'll want there to be authenticity behind. Yeah, the yeah. So it's they're really looking for the story behind. Yeah, hundred percent, a hundred percent. So my closing question is this. If you could hire any three people in the world to lend their expertise, who would you choose and why? <laughs> so the first one would be Karl Lagerfeld. Okay. Because to me, it was one of the biggest genius yeah. of all time. Yeah. Um, everything he did from Chloe, Fendi, Chanel, yeah. his life, his creativity, uh, his vision... The man himself, his humor, I I just loved him so much. Yeah. And um, and I wish I could have met him oh. one day because I, 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 when I was working in France in Paris, I knew a lot of people who knew him. Yeah. I never had the chance to meet him. Yeah. And it was just my dream. Yeah. So. My very good friends in the industry who's um, VP of design for a big brand. Um, she worked for him for a couple of years and she said he was amazing, absolutely amazing. And actually the most beautiful soul behind yeah. the facade, the most beautiful soul, an absolute genius. Yeah. And she said it was such an inspiration to work with him. So, yeah. Oh, good choice. Who's next on your list? 
So the next one on my list is my good friend, uh, Jay Sahidi. She used to be head of playing at ASOS and now she has set up her own jewelry brand. And um, she is amazing. Like, you know, when you have, you are, you are a designer and then there are the buyers and it's a duo, but it's, Yes, competition. It's, it's competition. <laughs> it's quite conflictive. It's not always easy. And with her, it was. She's just the best. And um, for me, she's the best buyer I've worked for. And I, I desperately need a buyer in my team. So I would love to work with her. I would love to have her on board one day, maybe. Yeah, absolutely whatever you wish for you know exactly yeah and who would be your last person my last one it's a little santa helper to help me pack the boxes (laughs) packer yes (laughs) because basically packing ceramics all day is really hard yeah because obviously you're not packing jewelry or clothes so you have to double pack everything and it's taking ages and it's really hard. <laughs> so this is my third wish and this is my biggest wish. <laughs> okay, we'll need to get our heads together and try and solve that for you. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> oh, Logistic. <laughs> it's so nice hearing your story and chatting with you today. Thank you so much for thank you to your talent. And um, I wish you every success with the brand. And um, I'm sure we're going to be talking again very soon. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Thank you so much, Fiona. It was a real pleasure. In summarising our chat today. Leah grew up near Bordeaux in France. Her parents were hippies who travelled extensively in Leah's formative years before eventually settling down in France. She went on to study her couture at Atelier Latelier for three years, where she interned with legendary Claude Montana. Leah tells us how her career evolved by chance from clothing into footwear age 21 in an entertaining story during her time at Barbaburi. Her mum then moved to Spain and Leah decided to follow and work for Zara, which was the beginning of her fast fashion experience, and led to roles at Topshop and ASOS. When redundancy hit in 2019, she took a few months off to go travelling and was offered a role at Topshop starting in March 2020, which then evaporated as the pandemic manifested. Deciding to start a passion project instead, fueled by a love of crockery and homework from her childhood, Vercel Boutique was born in May 2020. Knowing most of the best crockery is produced in Spain and speaking Spanish, Leah fortuitously timed a research, a research trip initially to Mallorca to source a manufacturer. However, when the first samples arrived, they fell short of her expectations and she was forced to search online for someone new, ultimately finding a wonderful family who were open to stepping outside of tradition and applying their artisan craftsmanship to modern designs which are infused by the sun and have a beautiful iridescent glaze and vibrant colours that put a smile on your face. Vassel's Boutique will be launching in a well-known British department store in the coming weeks and there is more to come by way of new designs showcasing on Instagram and the website. If you enjoyed this episode, join me next time when I will be speaking with Jack Gove, MD at Menswear Brand, Basic Rights. 
And if you are enjoying the series, hit the subscribe button to receive notifications on upcoming episodes where you'll get to hear first-hand insights from across the global fashion and creative industries.